ready to begin. What year is this? The year is 2020, and this is Beyond Sin. Hello there. Welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 221. On the show today is Honeybeard, and I recorded with them a few weeks ago at Gary's apartment, and so it was an on-location episode, and uh, we had a fun time, and of course we have lots of cool tracks to listen to, and that is what we are going to do today, because that's what we do here. So, I'm glad you guys enjoyed the uh, the first episode of the season. Uh, I got a lot of fun ones planned, and I want to do a shout-out to Jordan Noir, who did the cover art for this season. You know, I like to change it every season. I thought it would be fun to uh, do some kind of cool animated style. And I think it looks cool, and I hope you guys enjoy what he's come up with for the uh, the family show <laughs> art, because it looks uh, pretty neat. So look, let's get the show started, let's listen to some music, and we will do it. And uh, this is a cool track from Born in 82, it's got a fun energy to it, and uh, it is brought to you by my Patreon supporters. Well, we have a new one, we got Eric Sukins, is that how you say your name? S-U-Y-K-E-N-S, Sukins? Suikens? Suikens? Eric Suikens? Uh, anyway, that's... <laughs> Thanks for your support, buddy. Uh, now let's listen to this song. Uh, this is Lost Highway by Born in 82. <laughs>
And that was Born in 82 with the track Lost Highway. And that's a fun one. That was brought to you by my awesome patrons. Now, I should point out, I got a message from Sandbox General. He was one of the new Donation of the Beast uh, people with the triple six. And he says, yo, I want to be a cool guy. On the Patreon shoutouts. Also would uh, love a Mega Man soundbite with it. Keep up the great work on the podcast and promoting the scene. I love it all. Well, thanks, Sandbox General. Guess what? You're a cool guy! All right. So, like I said, I'm trying to stay current this year. I think I'm going to put some retro games aside for a little while. Ironically, I still have a few of those Jake and Andy play old RoboCop games videos coming out on YouTube, but the plan is to stay a bit more current, and I'm annoyed with myself because I missed the Doom sale. Because I know everyone's all excited for the new Doom game, and I thought I would go back and play the previous one. And over Christmas, for like two weeks, it was on sale for eight bucks. And I kept on going, oh, I'll get it after Christmas, because I'm not going to play it right now. And it said it was the sale went on until like January 5th or something. And I'm like, yeah, when we come back from holidays, I'll pick it up. And then I fucking missed the sale, and now it's 26 bucks again. And... <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, it was $8. It annoys me when something's, like, on sale for that cheap, and I missed it. But I imagine they'll put it on sale again. You know the way sales work on these stupid websites? Like, they already have the price in mind of, like, this is the cheapest it will ever go. Because if you pay attention to, like, PlayStation sales or Nintendo sales or whatever, they always go on sale for the same price. So it's like there's a base price that it will never dip below, and they always act like it's a big deal. Like, there's so many games on there I've seen for sale for, like, five years. Well, maybe not five years, but <laughs> you get the point. Like, the point is, Watch Dogs is a $11 game, all right? And sometimes you'll see it bundled with Watch Dogs 2 or whatever, but the point is it's always there for... You know what? You know what game was fun that I'd like to play again? Did you guys ever play... Oh, shit. What was that game called? It was, like, open-world GTA game, but it was, like, Chinese Mafia. It was like in Hong Kong. Sleeping Dogs, that was the game. Uh, that game was fun, because it was like GTA, but it had like really graphic... Uh, you, when you got in like fight scenes, you'd take on a whole bunch of guys at the same time, and there would be all these uh, different context-sensitive like death animations. So like you're fighting a dude, and if you're near like a garbage can, you like slam the guy into it, and if you're near like a breaker box, you dude gets electrocuted and stuff. And, and uh, that game is often on sale for like $5. What am I... Look, let's listen to some more music, and then we will we'll keep chatting. Here's one I dug from Total Cobra from the album Monoliths. I think this is an album that's not fully out yet, if I am correct. They're releasing like one song every few weeks. Uh, but this was one I liked. It's got a different kind of uh, vocal style, which I find interesting. And it is uh, brought to you by my awesome patrons. Uh, these, of course, are the awesome people who donate to Beyond Synth at Patreon.com. There is the amazing Robert D. Bishop. You're a cool guy. Maybe I should play a Mega Man sound for you. And of course, the very special Chris Dance. Hey, Chris Dance, did I tell you that one of my other Patreon supporters that you work with, Mr. Sven Bomanis, uh, his wife kept on calling me on Facebook. I think they were both wasted, to be honest. And I was working, <laughs> and so finally I'm like, oh, fuck it, I pick up the phone. And it's, it's them just wasted. I think they were just having like a party with themselves. And so I, I chatted with them for a few minutes, and that was funny. They're <laughs> 
<laughs> See, so that's what you have to do. <laughs> you want to get a hold of me, just keep calling. And eventually, <laughs> I just give in. But he's just like, oh, Chris is never going to believe this. I can't do his accent. But uh, anyway, that's a story that happened to me. And uh, and of course, the amazing Mike Shima. You're all very special people to me. And now let's uh, listen to this track. This is Total Cobra with Brother.
And that was Brother by Total Cobra. And that's a neat one. That was brought to you by my awesome patrons. Well, there's Jacob Wick with the 4488. Jacob Wick is a special man along with a city hunter. He's a special man, too, with the 42. Special man, too, with the 42. Uh, I don't know what that was. Uh, And, of course, in the 2666 Club, Hugh Hefner and Lucas Sabios. And speaking of games, I've been working away on Star Wars uh, Fallen Order, and, and it's pretty cool so far. I don't quite know how far I am in it because I don't really have the time to play games like I used to, and so sometimes I feel like, oh, am I close to the end of the game? And it turns out I'm like only on the first part because I've only played it in like 20 minute chunks, but I'm enjoying it. It's got the uh, the redhead lead who uh, played Joker or not Joker in the that Gotham show, and I think he's on uh, on the American version of uh, Shameless, and uh, it's it's a good game. It's kind of like Uncharted, but in the Star Wars universe, so they do a lot of that those transitional animations that they do in uncharted games you know when you you crawl through a crack or something and it's got a nice like custom animation of the guy crawling through and you, you do a lot of climbing and jumping off things it doesn't have the same level of polish as an uncharted game i wouldn't say it's glitchy but there is a lot of like characters going through the floor and just kind of those sorts of things but uh, all in all i'm enjoying it since there's been some delays unsurprisingly i love because <laughs> there's other games that we were looking forward to playing this year especially like cyber punk and stuff and of course it got delayed but like who is surprised at this point I mean, I'm sure you could go back and listen to the early episodes of Beyond Synth where I go on this rant about release dates. Well, of course, I did it when they announced fucking Metroid Prime 4, and everyone got all excited, and all they showed was a fucking JPEG of the Metroid Prime logo. And everyone's like, ooh, Metroid Prime 4 is coming! And I'm like, <laughs> look, if all they have is a fucking picture of the logo to show you, Metroid Prime 4 is not coming. Not for another three years at least. And la-di-da, looks like I was right, because it took two and a half years for them just to admit that, like, yeah, it wasn't working out, so we've given it to a different uh, development house. And so I'm like, okay, so now what? So now it's another two and a half years from that announcement? Like, you can't get excited for the initial release date. If it's a big AAA game, unless it's, like, Call of Duty, like those ones that have the yearly franchise where they've got, like, three different studios working on sequels, big games always miss the deadline. Always. I've dealt with this from the moment I first learned about release dates. Back in fucking 1999 or whenever the hell it was, where we had game sites popping up on the internet that actually said, you know, hey, you know, Perfect Dark is supposed to come out, you know, whenever. Because I was so excited for Perfect Dark, you know, because I loved Goldeneye and I'm waiting for Perfect Dark and that game just kept getting fucking delayed. I think it got delayed twice. From that moment on, I learned the lesson that you do not get excited about release dates. This also plays into a theory I've had about Cyberpunk anyways and its release. And I think now that it's been delayed to September... Well, here, we'll talk about it in a sec. I want to listen to another song. So here is one from Dream Station 1986. That's a nice one. It's got some dreamy vibes. Uh, vibes is the correct word. Yeah, this song's vibey. Vibes? Vibes. Uh, and I dig it. It's brought to you by my awesome patrons. In the $25 Club, there's Anthony. Alex Seligson. Hey, wait. It looks like Alex Seligson has upgraded his support. You're a cool guy, Alex Seligson. And a star apart and restless night. All right, let's uh, listen to this track. This is Dream Station 1986 with Color Objects. 
And that was Color Objects by Dream Station 1986. I really dig the vibe of that one. And uh, that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. Well, there's Honeybeard. Hey, we're going to listen to them later on in the show. There's Tim Carlton, Johnny Five, and Pattern Shift. Oh, and Pattern Shift just sent me a message because uh, last week when I was talking to Ollie Ride, I mentioned that synth sound in the background of Urgent by Foreigner. You know, that urgent sound in the background. And Prophet of Jupiter said on the Beyond Synth Discord, which you can join, he said, uh, finally finished the latest episode and it was great as usual. (laughs) That's right. Uh, By the way, you comment on the synth sound in Urgent by Foreigner. Those sounds were courtesy of God of Synth Pop, Thomas Dolby. Science! So there you go. That's some fun trivia. I like that. Also, uh, I finished building my Lego Slave 1. Lego. Sounded like I kind of went soft on that G there. Lego Slave 1, which is Boba Fett's spaceship. And I was building that on the weekend, and I posted my work in progress on Instagram. And I think uh, I saw Restless Knight's comment there because he was building a model car, I think, at the same time. It was one of those weekends, man, where we were all just fucking building. I think that's pretty cool. So what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So I always assumed that Cyberpunk was always going to have a deluxe edition on the PlayStation 5. Because it was coming out so close to the launch, right? Obviously, because the next-gen systems are coming out this Christmas, this coming Christmas in 2020. So I was like, oh, for sure it's going to come out with a deluxe edition. But I thought, well, if it comes out in April, I mean, I might still have to get it, even though there's going to be this deluxe edition for the PS5. But now that it's been delayed to September, it feels a lot more like that deluxe edition is probably going to be like a PS5 launch title. That's my guess. And if it is, I might not get Cyberpunk in September and I might wait. See, I'm just debating if that'll hurt their sales. Because I think Grand Theft Auto V, it still took them uh, a full year before they did the the PS4 version. But I mean, Christ, if Cyberpunk comes out in September and the new system drops like three months later, they must already be thinking of porting that thing. And the only thing that stands in the way is whether or not you think that that would hurt the sales of the game. Right, like, because I just, I just said, I, I would wait. Like, if there was some sort of hint that we get in summertime that PlayStation Five is going to launch, and one of the launch titles is going to be like the deluxe edition of Cyberpunk 2077 with like better graphics and faster loads and all this stuff. I mean, if that's the case, then I'm going to wait personally. And so maybe they won't announce it, but you know, it's got to. When you see a game that looks that good. And you just and you you get that sense that I don't think this is going to run as well as they're showing it. And then you know that the next gen systems are coming out like a month later. There's no way in hell they're not already making the PS5 version. I don't know. Let me know. Let me know your thoughts. That's my theory. All right. That's been my theory. And now that they've delayed it to September, I'm really convinced that there's going to be some announcement that says it's going to be a PS5 launch. Anyway, uh, look, I want to listen to this track from Tenelock. This one I've been listening to a lot. It just has this chill vibe. Again, more vibes. Here I am. This is Vibe Week. It's just a chill song, but I really love this one. I found myself just putting it on repeat, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. And it's uh, it's brought to you by my awesome uh, Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. There's Kempson, Martin Larby. Oh, 
Don't forget to check out the Patrick Fakeman blog. Type in Patrick Fakeman. It's like Patrick Bateman, but Fakeman. He writes uh, cool articles that are, you know, synthwave and retro-related and stuff, and uh, you should go check that out, Patrick Fakeman. And then, of course, there's Gregorio Franco, who I see uh, has a Twitch now, so maybe one of these days I'll tune in and watch you play some games, buddy. And uh, and Blake Peterson, cool Mr. Peterson. And now uh, let's listen to this track. This is Tenalock, T-E-N-A-L-O-C-K, with the track Reflections. Oh, 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 
And that was Reflections by Tenalock. And uh, that's a cool one. I really dig that vibe. As I said, I've been fucking listening to that one on repeat. It was uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Well, there's Ashley Keegan with the 2049. And speaking of Blade Runner, uh, what's his face? The director, Villeneuve. They just posted some concept art or something for the Dune movie he's working on. It's supposed to be pretty cool. But again, just like video game release dates, do not get excited about pre-release shit. Only concern yourself with the final product, all right? I'm sick of getting... Well, I'm not sick of getting burned. I'm just... I'm just I want you to be at the same level of enlightenment as I am. Which is, you know, if you get too excited about stuff beforehand, it's only gonna break your heart, you know? So be like me and be cold and devoid of emotion. And that track was also brought to you by Andy's Laugh with the 20. Oh, I should point out, too, that... <laughs> Okay, Lucaset put out uh, some patches, which you can get on the Patch Bay. So if you are a musician, uh, there's this uh, website called the Patch Bay where they sell plug-in presets made by notable synthwave artists. And Lucaset just put out one. I think Joe was the one designing the patches, and he uh, <laughs> he put in a joke one, which is called Andy's Laugh. And so there's a synth version of my laugh, and it's uh, I wouldn't say it's a usable instrument, <laughs> but... But it's it's there. And of course, Rachel Buchelman with the 1985 and Morat with the 1984. As I said, we got Honeybeard coming up in just a bit. And if everything goes okay, I should be doing a live show. Well, if this airs on Tuesday, uh, tonight. Eastern Standard Time. Now, I can't promise that... <laughs> I have relatives visiting, which, uh, you know, my plan was to do live shows Tuesday nights. I'm going to try and do one, and uh, if I do, you'll see me because it'll be on Twitch and Facebook and YouTube. And if I don't do it, then you won't see me. But either way, you'll still get your Beyond Synth fix for the day. But the plan is to air them Tuesday nights, do a live show on Tuesday, and then uh, put the files on the internet on Fridays. So it'll be like last season, where you have a Beyond Synth on Monday or Tuesday and the High Five on Friday. So now the Friday will be the um, the live show. And since Julian will still be doing picks, it'll be kind of like the High Five, except a little bit longer. And possibly with some audience participation and some uh, fun little new segments we've been working on. And uh, you guys should enjoy that. Or maybe you won't. I don't know. I don't want to presume what you like and don't like. Uh, that's not my place. But if you do have a few uh, spare moments, don't forget to uh, check out the Beyond Synth YouTube page. You've got part one of my Witcher review, and uh, I just finished writing the part two, so I'm going to maybe film that the next few days and post that soon. And there's also what, part five of Jake and I playing old RoboCop games, and there's one more in that series, and that's when we do our final recap review. Yeah, do check out the YouTube page, and don't forget to, uh, you know, like and subscribe to it and all that stuff um, because we do plan on putting out more videos this year and that is the plan so let's uh, let's listen to some more music here's one from Star Runner from the album Be Kind Rewind featuring Megan McDuffie oh I saw some pictures from uh, Nam on the weekend I forget what that stands for it's like uh, guitars it looked like a lot of people from the synth scene were there that's why I brought it up because I think Megan McDuffie 
he was there but uh, uh, you know Florence was there I saw a bunch of pictures of people I saw Elevate the Sky some others <laughs> whose names I'd remember if I was actually looking at a picture right now look let's listen to the track and then we'll uh, we'll talk more about it this is Rewind featuring Megan McDuffie it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $15 Club 6 Mill Hampus ML and Ken Giroux and Chatterack and now here is Star Runner with the track Rewind featuring Megan McDuffie.
was Rewind featuring Megan McDuffie by Star Runner from the album Be Kind Rewind. And don't forget, you can find all the artist links for the artists I play on the show. If you're listening on SoundCloud, click on more info. There's all the artist links there. You know, if you followed the Beyond Synth episode link from Facebook or Twitter, I always tag all the artists in the post. So if you press play on Facebook and you're saying, I like this artist, just scroll down and you'll see that artist's Facebook page so you can click on it and follow them and the same with the Twitter and also on Instagram as well. So it's a quick way for you to be able to connect to those artists if you like their tunes. And that's sort of the point of this show is uh, support for all the awesome artists and musicians. I do have to say this. It's not an official rule, but I don't often like to play covers or songs by big name artists. So I know we have this conversation a lot, uh, you know, in and around the show. Obviously, I want the musicians who I, you know, interview on the show and whose music I play to get a lot more recognition because obviously I love this type of music and I want it out there. And, you know, we do see certain aspects of synthwave reach the mainstream. And so there are artists where, you know, a big name artist will, you know, have a song that features kind of retro sounding synth patches or retro drums or whatever. And everyone gets all excited about it. And sometimes people will ask me to play those songs. Like, what was the last one? Was it by the weekend? It was by the weekend. It's that song, Blinding Lights. Now, the song's fine. Like, it's a good song. And I am happy when the synthwave sound sort of penetrates the mainstream. The reason why I don't really play that kind of stuff on the show is they don't need my help. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, even if you're really excited about this track by the weekend, it's like the YouTube has 42 million views. The song The Weekend did with Daft Punk has 646 million views. The track Starboy has 1.6 billion? All right, so look, I love the synthwave sound. You know I do. But another aspect of this show is supporting artists who have, you know, growing fan bases and I just don't see the point of sharing a song that already has 42 million views. Now look, we are also connected by the fact that, you know, a lot of people got their start within and around this sort of community, right? So another question would be, you know, let's say Perturbator becomes so insanely popular that he's got songs where he releases a song and then it's got like fucking 40 million views, right? Would I still play a Perturbator track? Yes, I would. And the reason I would is because whether or not he's gone, his origin is still connected to this scene, right? There's a connection. Whereas when there's people who are already famous, you know, like if Justin Bieber makes a song that has like synthwave sounds in it, he has no history or connection with this scene. And so they're just they're just doing the sound. I'm going to say it's <laughs> it's <laughs> cultural appropriation with it. <laughs> They're appropriating our synth culture. So the point is, it doesn't matter. Whereas if you say the Midnight gets huge and they're posting their shit and they're getting like, you know, a billion views on one of their songs. Yeah, I would still play a Midnight track because people who like that music, it is still a way that connects them back to the synth wave scene. Right. So that's all I have to say about it. So look, let's listen to another track and then we'll go chat with Honeybeard. So this is a nice speaking of synth wave. Here's a nice track. Just has a nice classic synth wave sound, uh, which you will enjoy. It is by Mr. Garfield. It is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Uh, there's Mads Baron Christensen with the 1313 prophet of Jupiter with the 1215. And we will never forget the immortal Chris. 
Celia Lane. This song is called Endless Summer and it is by Mr. Garfield.
And that was Mr. Garfield with Endless Summer. Nice classic synthwave sounds from my podcast to your ears. No, nope. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm coming up with something that like, hey, this is going to be a good catchphrase. And then I'm like, oh, nope. Error. Uh, anyway, look, hope you guys are having a lovely day. Now let's go to my conversation with Honeybeard. So is there any sort of, what do you, like, is there anything you want to kind of touch on? Well, we can all touch each other. To, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I want to touch on. Your thighs, your leg. These little balls. All right. Well, I'm here right now with Honeybeard. I've been graciously invited to the home of Gary, and I've been chauffeured by Tom. So right now we're in uh, the, the Honeybeard living room. Very much so, Yes. So it's like a, this is a Beyond Synth on location. Yes, welcome to Hive 2. This is where we uh, write a lot of our songs. Why is it called Hive 2? We have a first hive at <laughs> my old house, which I now rent out to my sister, but I kept the garage as our uh, rehearsal studio and just a place to hang out, I guess. Yeah, that's where we, uh, we play songs. When we write the songs, we go back there. And then we rehearse the shit out of them because usually we leave that to what like a, a week before before the show. So wait, so uh, is your sister happy about this then? <laughs> Probably not very happy, <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's uh, been very kind so far. Well, maybe uh, say your names and your voices so people know who's who. That's here. Probably a good idea. Yeah. I'm Tom, and I'm Gaz. So why why is Gaz the short form? Because your name is Gary. Yes, Gary's a terrible name. I think I personally think. I don't like the name Gary, but I didn't actually pick Gaz because what happened was when we uh, when I first came to the country, I was I ended up playing Australian rules football, so I had a lot of immediate Australian friends. So if you have any Australian friends, you know they kind of shorten your name. So apparently over there, if your name is Gary, they shorten it to Gaz. So that's what kind of where it started. So the Australian shortening of Gary is Gaz, even though you are not Australian. No, but that kind of moniker kept going and it's easier to and it's funny sometimes when I'm speaking to people on the phone and I say hi this is Gary speaking they think I say Derek so <laughs> I, I don't know what that's, that's haunted me all my life so I Gaz is just easier it does confuse people though sometimes people think I say Eddie instead of Andy yeah right and I'm like how many fucking Eddies do you know like I like Andy's a more common name than Eddie <laughs> well you get Gus a lot when you say Gaz like oh Gus and you're like no Gaz G A Z and it's or Daz I got Daz once Daz <laughs> that, Daz is a cool name I like that it's one better actually I have a friend called Daz that's short for Derek I think yeah <laughs> yeah so Gaz is easier and you know it's got a bit of pizzazz to it well, so why not yeah 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 well so explain then uh, what Honeybeard is I think people who listen to the show will recognize the name because you are. Uh, a supporter of the show and I thank you for that but uh, yeah what is what is Honeybeard and why so um, okay so I've explained this a, a few times and I hope I don't embellish it because it can't help but doing it every so often but Honeybeard uh, we have an hour okay that's <laughs> excellent alright okay this will take about 30 minutes yeah. time <laughs> okay so back in Ireland at around 2008 everything was well 2007 everything was going swimmingly the country was, at, was doing really really well but then the economy collapsed alongside the rest of the western world and with that, I lost my job. I was doing really well at the time. It was, it was not too long at college. Just I was a rising star, and then all of a sudden, I found myself um, in this big old house with no job, 
Uh, no prospects because the whole country was shutting down. It, it was terrible. Everyone was losing their jobs. Thankfully, I didn't own any property because folks that did own property were in a lot of trouble. So here I was. I found myself. I had a small package out of it, which was fine. Um, it was a hostile type takeover. Sorry, so. I need to... <laughs> You said you had a small package. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know you're literally talking about the story of fucking financial woes. And like, like it's it. good to know where your mind is right now. <laughs> I'll, tell you so where my mind I'll is. try and stick in all those little innuendos as yeah. best I can. But with my um, average uh, package, <laughs> mm. it was average, uh, slightly average. And uh, <laughs> so I find myself at home, uh, kind of unemployed and anyone who's been long employed for a long time knows that if they don't get into a routine they end up waking and going to bed at all sorts of hours so at that time I was playing in a band called Artificial Flight it's kind of like a perfect circle wannabe type band and I sang a lot in falsetto which I find myself doing now recently but so I, I was constantly really hurting my throat and I would actually use honey to coat my my throat and we were rehearsing all the time it was pretty intense it was a very hard working band so I found myself one time I would wake up at one o'clock in the afternoon or later and completing the stupor we just had this outside room where um, it was just I can't explain it, was it, it was you kind of forgot to mention that during this period of unemployment you grew a giant beard I was getting there Thomas I was I'm getting sorry. there <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so you know we, we went to this room and um, that's where I, I would I, I would just play guitar and I'd get high I'd get drunk and uh, at this time yeah so I'd completely like broken down no confidence everything was falling apart thankfully my girlfriend and my wife at the time she was the only constant that was going in my life but I found myself with a big beard. I was barely wearing clothes. I, I, I was a mess, right? And uh, so one time, this was going on for a while, and it, it was a bad depression because, you know, one one day you're the rising star in a company, everything's, you know, the sun shines out of your fucking ass. And the next thing, you're in the employment line and you're being questioned as to, uh, are you taking any side jobs and made to feel like you're, you're begging off a state that you've been paying for the fucking whole f- lot of your, like, working life, right? So there's a lot of resentment. And I, I think a lot of people can sort of relate to that so it was a bad place and then one day I remember waking up out of a stupor I got really fucking high and I was definitely drunk and <laughs> I, I so I woke up and I would kind of scratch my beard as you as you would and it was full of honey because I was at some point worried about the next show that was coming up I was dousing my my throat with honey missing just slobbering all over myself and that's a beautiful image right there mm. right this golden glistening honey dripping off my mouth in a suggestive yeah. way into my beard which is already kind of I'm ginger right so it was a ginger beard and the bloody thing was stuck there and I just I think I hit rock bottom at least in my brain mm. and uh, so uh, I said look fuck that I shaved my beard off I got a routine I wrote a song about it and the song was called Honey Beard because it was a beard full of honey and it represented my downfall and depression all that shite so um, that's where it came from so when me and Tom were looking for band names you know like we're going to call ourselves the laser beams or some shite so uh, anyway <laughs> we suggested Honeybeard and that was the only band that people liked now mind you we weren't a synthwave band at this point we at the time were playing uh, Tom was playing this tall string and I was playing the, the normal acoustic guitar we were going to be an alt folk band mm. and do weird shit yeah so that's where Honeybeard came into play the name kind of fit better for an alt folk band actually we got booked a lot with folk bands in the beginning <laughs> 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 we'd set up our lasers and <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, what is this? Yeah. The sports they have double basses and, and violins. And they have country western hats and they just look at us like, what the fuck just walked in the door? Yeah. But yeah, that's what happens with our name. Well, how about this? Let's listen to a track and then maybe we can explain how the... Uh... So that's where the name comes from, but I still don't know how, how Tom fits into all this. So we gotta we got to find out. we got to tease it out like it's like this tale we're, we're weaving. Did you hit as much of a rock bottom? We'll get to that. Tease something. <laughs> N- no. <laughs> 
My life was great. It was, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's listen to this. Uh, this is a track called Into the Night. You picked Into the Night. That was one of our first ones. Yeah, it? yeah. Well, I like to go, you know, when I have uh, people on who haven't been on before, I like to pick random songs throughout. You can pick some, too, though. That Into the Night's got a... Every single song we... I know you're going to have a problem with everything, but... Probably. No, 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 not a oh. problem. No, no, um, no. There's, there's, like a, there's a terrible story behind that, that song. All of Gary's lyrics are quite depressing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, look, let's just fucking, let's play it. This is Into the Night by Honeybeard.
And that was Honeybeard with the track Into the Night. And I'm here right now with Honeybeard in the kitchen of Gaz, a.k.a. Gary. And Tom, it's not Tom's kitchen, though. It is not my kitchen. You did drive me in the rain to get here. I did. And then we ate some pizza. Yum. (laughs) (laughs) So look, how does does Tom fit into this equation here? So Gary's off in Ireland, jobless but full, (laughs) full bearded. Well, yeah, I guess he was full bearded until the honey got in there. Mm. Yeah, I uh, moved to Toronto in probably 2008, maybe, and started playing a sport called Australian Rules Football. Why? Uh, I used to, I played a lot of rugby, and I thought Australian Rules Football would be uh, a less violent version of rugby. Was it? No, in the long run, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, made a horrible choice, probably. But uh, Gary, I guess, met a guy on our team and brought him out. And I think at the time, Gaz was just trying to... Make friends. Make friends. And really, you came here to start a band. I would. Yeah. So the first question he asked me was like, oh, do you play any music? I was like, I play a little guitar and piano. He's like, okay, cool. Uh, I used to be in a band. I think we should start one up. Um, <laughs> I'll send you some of my stuff. And uh, we'll go from there. I was like, uh, okay. And the next morning, that was probably like... 2.30 in the morning at, uh, what was the name of that Backpackers? Was it called the Backpackers? It was called the Backpackers. It was like some pub, like, it was a Backpackers bar, I guess. Sure. Bar of a hostel. For Backpackers. <laughs> <laughs> and drugs like those. So, so it was probably like 3 in the morning when he came up with this plan. I probably woke up at like noon the next day, and my email was full of literally every single track or piece of recorded music Gary has ever written. And he's like, so what do you think? Mm-hmm. He called me up like 20 minutes after I woke up, like, what do you think of everything I sent over you? I'm like, well, it's quite the discussion, <laughs> like quite a lot of music to go through. Mm-hmm. Give me a few weeks. And then we just started uh, started this alt folk thing. And it kind of blossomed into Honeybeard because we wanted more sounds, I guess. Like, had you played in a band before? No, I didn't play in any band. I just knew how to play piano and guitar. And I guess that was enough of a qualifier to uh, yeah. get into <laughs> Gary's band. <laughs> He knew no people, so... (laughs) Well, this whole Australian rules football, hasn't that fucked both of you up? Yeah. I feel like every time I see you guys, someone's got a broken something. Yeah, it's been a rough rough summer. It was... I had nine good years and then one bad one, and that'll probably be the end of my career. Yeah, his left hand has a plate in it. Uh, You can barely move or feel even... You can feel it, but you can't move your fingers. Yeah, my fingers are all... So he's dominant left, and it's his left hand. So we've had to rearrange how we play live because Tom's is sort of the engine when it comes to all this, the, key, the keys. So yeah, that's kind of... And I don't think you can um, ever risk playing again, can you? I don't think so. No, I probably won't. You're done. I'm done. He's done. Retiring. Yeah. yeah. I broke an ankle this year. I can't remember which ankle it was. Yeah, it sucked. Well, yeah, because you were on crutches at Outland. Right? I was, yeah. <clears throat> and it just happened a week before. Yeah. So I, I didn't want to miss Outland, so I'm glad I didn't. But uh, it's... I don't know. I mean, like, I'm... I'm probably the oldest in the team now so if you go in if anyone's played sports and if you've had an injury it's kind of psychologically hard to go back in there because you're worried about doing it again because it just it puts you out it's it's been crappy in fact my health's kind of gone down in general because i can't get fit and i Mm. and it still aches and pains but it's not as bad as tom's metal plate in his hand we had a guy his finger uh this year his finger his ring finger was ripped like completely ripped off except the tendons he could hold it between his, his severed finger and his no. other finger. Yeah, that was gross. No, yeah. that didn't happen. We thought it was just he blocked a, he blocked a kick. Another guy, his wrist Jeez. was in the shape of an S. It was an unusually high year for injuries. It's not usually like that. Oh, that's gross. 
I uh, yeah, I'm not really a big sports guy. So when I hear stories like that, it's like just so extreme to have fingers ripped off and stuff. <laughs> like that's just yeah, it's a bit much. You got right. your nose broken once, Tom, in rugby, didn't you? A few times, yeah. Yeah, I got concussed twice. <laughs> I got kicked in the head for going for the ball. Then I went for the ball again. I got kicked in the head, and then I saw like triple. And then the all I did was just have a beer, and but I had to take a week off work because I was putting the. I was putting the, the milk into the, the oven. Uh, my whole week was weird. My brain was fried. Were you working in a restaurant? <laughs> no, just at home, just in the kitchen here. But uh, no, I was, yeah. No, I, I had to, my boss said, no, Gary, you have to go home and go to the doctor. Is your brain okay? I, I don't. Uh, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go back to this uh, Australian rules football to get another member of the band. I think so. Well, I mean, Tom, you're fine. He can still play. Well, you'll be able to play, won't you? Yeah, I'll, it'll come back. Oh, we hope so. If not, yeah, I'll probably get another. So wait, there's a metal plate in there now? A couple, yeah. Titanic. A couple metal plates holding the bone together. I just had an appointment today uh, on Monday. They said it healed fine, except for the lack of movement, I guess. Cool. So are you going to, one of these days, deflect a bullet? That's <laughs> the plan. <laughs> just like Wonder Woman. That would be fucking... I mean, it wouldn't be cool to get shot at, but I mean, like, how crazy would it be if you did and, like, you literally put your hand up and fucking... It's titanium. Like, it should deflect like a normal bullet at a certain range and speed. Well, we would, could definitely try it. <laughs> but imagine it's not very much titanium. It would have to be... A, <laughs> it isn't a finger bone or a hand bone. Like, I think we best try it, though. Yeah, maybe with the BB gun first. Yeah, see, this Australian rules football. I'm not a fan of this. This sounds Oh, it's troublesome. Great. It's It's... Highly entertaining, and it's camaraderie, and when you get to crunch tackles and when you get to score, it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. Yeah. I wonder how it felt for that guy whose finger got ripped off. Well, he's he got a sewed up. He'll play an S shape. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy who got his wrist bent into an S shape, thankfully he didn't have to get any plays. He'll play again next year. And he's only, what, 24? His wrist... Oh, you mean like, so it just went like blunk? An like, absolute S. It was pushed back and back up and back around. Oh, again. my God. Yeah. No. Nasty. That didn't happen. Yeah. We can show you photos later. We have a little WhatsApp of with the guys, and there's a lot of photos there of some gruesome injuries. Jesus Christ. What's the object of Australian rules football? Why is why are people getting their fingers ripped off? Fucking win, man. <laughs> right, but I mean like... Uh, the object is to kick a ball between two posts. Okay. And, and, then then to, <laughs> and the Australian rules are to, to rip off fingers while you do it? <laughs> it's just a different rule set. Mm. It's an amalgamation of an old Irish sport called Gaelic and, I guess, rugby. But, like, growing up here, we used to when we used to say, let's play a sport, Aussie rules, would mean no rules. Like, that was, like, <laughs> really was, that was a, oh, like a common saying. They're like, oh, let's play, like, dodgeball, Aussie rules, would mean just no rules. I didn't know that. Man. That's particularly Canadian. Queensbury rules is... When you punch, right? That's the only rules I know. <laughs> it's included in Aussie rules. Yeah. I think. <laughs> it's a lot of punching. So, what year was this? Two thousand, late two thousand eleven. Was this when we met? I think I can tell you the exact date. <laughs> I, met, I met Tom February twelfth. That should be a Tuesday of two thousand and twelve. He was the first person to kick a ball to me. He was wearing a, a white wife beater type top, mm. blue shorts, and yeah. And I remember going. I scanned him. And I said, "Yes, he'll do." After chatting, of course. You know that was what, your interview. <laughs> what happened uh, when uh, Gunship was doing their video, and I filmed a little, like, the, the John McClane thing. Mm. And I went to Walmart to get a wife beater because I don't own any of those types of shirts. And it was at that moment, as a 37-year-old man or whatever, that I realized, I'm like, these things aren't actually called wife beaters, right? Because, like, I didn't know where they were. <laughs> 
And so, like, a lady's coming up to me, and I'm, I'm about to ask her, like, where are the wife... And I'm like, where are the... And I'm like, oh, no. Like, I don't actually know what these are called. And I still don't. I think they're just called undershirts or, like... A cut or something like it's some like it's a terrible description for me if you think about it. Yeah, but it's, but like, it's also a perfect description for what yeah, that yeah. Item <laughs> <is>. <laughs> Well, that's the thing because that's the problem with it because it's uh, I was about to ask a lady where the wife beaters are, <laughs> and I, I literally stopped myself moments from it happening. Like the words started to come out of my mouth, and I there's that that moment that I'm like, wait a second, and then I had to start trying to explain them. Do you recall what you asked for? I think I was, you know, like those, it's like a shirt you wear underneath, but it's got no arms. Uh, <laughs> and it's got, it's like kind of open here. And like, I'm just yeah, doing this. Like, isn't it? I, I think that, yeah, there's a big difference between like a, a wife beater and a sleeveless t-shirt. Yeah. Because I guess it's all in the neckline. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just, a, it's a vest. A but when vest? you say wife beater, it's kind of like. See, I see a vest as like uh, something you, like a sweater vest. So an under vest. Oh, this is a Canadianism. Right back home, we say vests. Like, you know, a vest is something like that looks like a wife beater. Yeah. So that's a vest. That's what we call a vest. I still don't actually know the official word. I think it's a cut. It's literally like it's like a cut or something. Like, it's got a like a dumb. I've heard singlet before. Singlet? That's Australian term. Yeah, but I think that's Australian. Actually, We I just mean, hang out with too many Australians. If you go onto Andy's store, which I was snooping on earlier, don't ask why, but when I was on that store, you actually sell wife beaters. Well, I am one. <laughs> you get a, br- a, a bronze <laughs> wife beater, Beyonce. Yeah, where, where's, my, where's my rim shot? I'll dub one in. Um, well, look, what a lovely way to segue to some music. Right. So how about we uh, listen to this track? This is a track called Reverie, which is a cool one. Uh, and uh, it's by Honeybeard. It's about Gary's wife, who he does not beat. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Tom. <laughs> I think I need to get her out here for some verification. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Neve? <laughs> no, she's got her earphones on. Yeah, sure she does. All right. And that, she's scared of you. Yeah. <laughs>
And that was Reverie by Honeybeard. And I'm here right now with Honeybeard in the kitchen of Honeybeard. Or no, this isn't really the kitchen. What would you call this? Living room? Living room. We're in the living room. There's some Xbox on the screen that's on pause. And uh, we're just listening to music. And that was a track called Reverie. We're just sort of jumping back and forth throughout the the timeline here of... uh, Honeybeard. So where do you get your ideas? Hmm. <laughs> uh, okay. You want to field this one? <laughs> okay, so in terms of the actual music, that's. do you want to know that way or do you want to know the, the, what the songs are about? Because I guess they're two different things. Well, it depends. Are, are they about depressing things? Yeah, I'm sorry, Andy. Yes, they happen to be the mm. depressing thing. Well, the music, typically, uh, we just kind of write up stuff and, and we bounce them off each other and say, you know, I like that. That's a nice riff or hook or uh, chorus. And then... I'll wrestle it and, and I'll sing to it. And if I can get good singing to it, then the song comes to be. As we said earlier, we used to be a guitar band. And then we turned into a synth pop band. But now we are, <laughs> are turning sorry, into... I'm eating a cookie. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you put a plate of cookies. Well, I wanted to eat those cookies too, but I, I thought it'd make noise. You don't have to sit right by the microphone when you're eating. <laughs> For some reason, I thought I would make less noise if I just ate it slower. But I'm eating right into the microphone. And so it's just like this. It's just like a... <laughs> Alright, I'm going to lean back, you keep talking Alright, uh, where was I? Yeah, so synth pop, that's where we were For a couple of years, well a few years actually But then we, we discovered Synthwave We actually discovered through the last song you played, Reverie When we put that up, we discovered a lot of people in the synthwave community Liked that particular song Because it had those retro qualities Which we set out to do Because we 80s are always in our blood anyway And from there, well I had already discovered um, Beyond Synth at that point And I was listening to you And I, that just... In fairness, Beyond Synth opened me up to a lot of artists that are out there. And then I discovered that Dana Jean Phoenix was a, a big part of the Synthwave community. I was like, really? Because we had supported her, she supported us a while back. In St. Catharines. In St. Catharines, we were like, oh, really? Wow, okay. So, And then we, we've always followed her. Like Every time she puts something out, videos, I always followed her. I just never realized she was at the tip of this community. So uh, we signed up with Retro Reverb Records. And by doing that, we said, okay, let's pivot our sound a little bit into Synthwave. So we went, we bought a brand new computer big powerful beast that's out there and we added a couple more synths a bunch of VSTs a bunch of plugins some templates to help us along and that's when we created the sound that, that's been sort of put out there today with Whispers of Light so in terms of sound that's where we went to and it's a, it was a long one right and Toronto isn't very kind I think to Synthwave either it's not kind of Synthwave or it hasn't really discovered Synthwave properly so but even in Synthpop we struggle all the way through Toronto so again in terms of your going back to your question that was a purpose sort of pivot into synthwave, which I much prefer. It's, it's it's highly enjoyable. But in terms of the where we get our ideas from lyrically, so they come from my brain and experiences, and they're typically not very happy experiences. But that's okay, right? Because we usually hide them under sort of happier, dancey pop songs. I don't think there's a song out there that I that has been pulled from experience that I have. Even though it might sound fancy free, like I'm orbiting the planet about to fall. Well, that really is just about getting high and coming down depression. You know those kind of things. We had this plan a while ago with our first EP, um, Thousand Million Things, that we would lyrically tie every single song together for the next few albums or releases. So currently we're like about four-fifths of the way through that project. So uh, I just have to... I actually had a list of how all our songs line up in a big, long narrative. But when I bought a brand new computer, I lost that information. Anyway, digressing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um, Everything is... Every single album... You shouldn't have operated your operating system, man. That's what happens. I really really hate Apple, man. I I really do. But then again... Catalina fucked me. Yeah, it did. So, yeah. So, every all our ideas are going all the way up from our first EP back in 2016 up until now. And our next record will probably finish off the big narrative thing and then whatever. Yeah, but generally the ideas are just... are ripped right from experiences that 
are typically bad. And that's when you type into that experience and when you write, I like writing, I used to write a lot of poetry. And when you get, when you nail it and it comes out in a song, it's, I guess, cathartic, it's therapeutic, all that shite. Yeah. So then you are the lyric guy. I am. Now, Tom did write um, some lyrics at the start and he, he did write, there's one song that he completely penned lyric-wise, which was Sig Sally, which is on our album. And that's about his long distance relationship with his new wife, which was the sweet one. Ah. Uh. See, that's nice. Yeah. It's the only nice song. It's not all depressing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You're, you're, my song seems to be, yeah, you're, you're half of the band is the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're a dark band, man. We definitely are a dark band. Coming into Synthwave, looking around, it's palm trees and, and, and sunsets and countdown vehicles. It's excellent, right? It's all this happy stuff. But there is a dark wave element out there that typically is um, from... Now, we're brand new to the scene so we're learning about through you and through other like Forever Synth and I don't know what that is right <laughs> and, and Night Ride FM like discovering all this new music and never heard of it <laughs> sorry that's uh, what I do to all my peers oh right I see yeah. um, well you know so we're discovering all this band I guess the kind of stuff we write is a little bit darker and it's a lot more layered and uh, you know after you listen to it if you read the lyrics you can go deeper and deeper into it so there's a lot of uh, layers put into it on purpose yeah it's a tricky thing eh because I was very Canadian when I just did when you talk about the synthwave scene, because I think a lot of people had this impression that um, Toronto is somehow like this kind of bustling synthwave scene. And I think it's what it is. It's the same everywhere. It's this pocket of small communities, but they're just spread out all over the world because it's like I see the pictures from the shows they do at like L.A. and stuff. And, you know, I talk to Florence about them and she'll play at them. And it's it's the same thing. The way pictures are taken from these events and all of these things is we, we get this impression that like, oh, look, all these people sort of showed up. But it's the same. It's like when you guys do shows in Toronto and there's like, you know, 20, 25 people that show up and it's like the, a recognizable crowd. It's the same in L.A. It's the same like when they do their mm-hmm. their shows. And it, it just seems to be those big shows like the Outland, for example, where they just are really good at marketing and they've put together some really uh impressive things because it's tricky and, and also too with the the type of music you make i also i think that makes it tricky as well because it's like um i guess i sort of put you in the same place as kind of like an empathy test yeah kind of you know in terms of tone and that's a tough one for live you know what i mean because some of the other acts that are a bit more like kind of dancey and there's a different vibe they elicit but then at the same time a lot of the synthwave crowd are these kind of nerds who wouldn't dance anyway so it's a funny <laughs> it's a funny thing trying to i don't have a handle on it like i wish i did i'm, I'm still working out what works and what doesn't and well, that's the exciting i think that's the exciting thing about it i think being at the start of, and it hasn't been, it's not the start, it's been going 10 years and more, but I think there's potential for growth, <laughs> so yeah. it's very corporate, but that is the case. <laughs> I, I think it, it can get bigger. I guess people here, it, it's in all media, it's saturated everywhere. People don't realize it's an actual m- musical m- movement yeah. that has taken something retro and has either paid respects to it, but brought it forward. There's so many subgenres. Like, I still don't know what Vaporwave is yet. I'm going to try and find that out. But it's growing, and there's all these different subgenres that fall under the, the now Christmas uh, synthwave peer genre. I think it's exciting because, okay, so what do you say? Right? We have very dark lyrics. Our music's very dark. But if you come to a Honeybeard show, we're fucking out there giving it socks. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm pulling a Johnny Rotten, staring at people. Anyone talks, I'm fucking staring at them. If they're not dancing, I'm staring at them. And then eventually I'll hop out there and I'll start dancing with them. Is giving it socks an iris expression? Yes. <laughs> it means Why you look at me? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're usually my interpreter, Tom. It's giving it everything, right? Just giving it everything. Giving that live show of just... Uh, and people don't... Well, people come to expect it from us, but we're just dying to play more synthwave shows just to just see what other flavor in terms of a live act we can bring. Are socks everything in Ireland? Um, Probably pretty important. It's damp over there. It's yeah. Socks are pretty. <laughs> socks are pretty important. 
there was definitely a period in our recent history that we were, didn't have socks and traversed through the mud. Oh no. Through famines and oppression and whatnot. Oh, you mean this historically? Yes. This wasn't like some US, man. the sock famine. Uh, <laughs> this wasn't like another Australian rules fucking football story? No. You asked about Ireland, right? Well, I, I'm all over the place. Let's listen to a song. <laughs> I want to listen to... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Let's listen to this one. This is a, uh, a newer track. This one is called Like a Fire, and it is by Honeybeard. Yeah. 
And that was Honeybeard with the track Like a Fire. And I'm here right now with Honeybeard, Tom, and Gaz, sitting at the table, nibbling away at biscuits. I see you've left the tea bag in this tea you've given me. So I guess this is steeped. Is that what <laughs> steeped tea is? I just saw the Canadians do it, and as a part of interview. Oh no, that's no. It's no steep tea is when they take the bag out. No, no, they leave the bag in. Is steeped, right? No, I steeped. have no idea. Steeped is when they make the tea with a bunch of bags in it and just pour it into the cup. Right, but that's not done in Ireland. They don't. They don't like when you leave your well, the tea bag in there. I think if you ordered a steep tea at Tim Hortons, you would have no tea bag in your cup. No, you would not. But if you ordered a tea, you'd have a tea bag in. Is that how it works? I don't know. That's yeah. But I think so. When I order tea, they put tea, leave the tea bags in. Oh, see, I get steep tea. No tea bags. That's a big mistake, Andy. I make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> That's your biggest one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so you form this band, and then when it comes to like the actual sound of the music, I mean, how is that being formed? Like, Tom, what goes on with you? Like, what is your my role? Um, so we generally kind of write music separately. And then email it back and forth a bunch of times and add stuff to each other's songs. So they're all kind of, I guess, co-written by both of us. This man is bringing uh, his sad life into poetry and putting that into words, you know, like in these in these songs. So, like, you're there and you're, like, with playing keys. It can sometimes that? be pretty frustrating because I'll, like, oh, man, this is a good party song that I just wrote. Gary, can you, like, come up with some lyrics for it? And I'll hear back from, like, a week later. He's like... All right, this is about a priest back in Ireland who used to you know, like molest little children. I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> who's going to want to dance to that? <laughs> but uh, I guess it ends up working out somehow. <laughs> who's going to want to dance to that? <laughs> but uh, you just tanked all our sales. <laughs> I think the difference is, you know, there's there's certain people, you know, in the scene and around the scene who lyrically, like when there is this sort of like the synth pop kind of stuff with vocals, a lot of the lyrics are kind of generic. And so it's nice when there are bands that actually have like proper song. Not, not that those other songs aren't proper, but every time I hear like a new synth wave track and it's got vocals and then like it's all just like neon lights and rain and stuff it's like all right like we've you know that's so i like to hear like kind of poetic lyrics about different things to me it's the music it's you know i think synthwave and that sort of sound it can go to so many different things like cuz it just it's it's a mood setter it's like any movie can have that sort of score and it instantly sort of like changes the mood and does all this stuff to it and i don't think you have to adhere 100% to the tropes like just because you're making synthwave doesn't mean you need an album cover with like a laser grid and triangles and shit and that's kind of what we attempted to do at least on our new album is not fall into the tropes necessarily yeah and we probably did a bunch of times but. we probably can't replicate the tropes well <laughs> we're not good <laughs> we're not that very good technically it's funny because even those tropes now and people still do it because even in the early days uh there were these joke compilations that uh i think it was Grooveworthy put together and like all the people who were like in the scene at the beginning like it's like 2013 is like you like protector 101 and vincenzo salvia and hoo-ha and all these people and the whole album was making fun of the tropes of synthwave and this was in 2013 and they made like four of them and it was called like the miami dream drive compilation <laughs> tape deck volume three and it was like 
these joke songs where all the artists were making fun of themselves with like kind of parody names and they just made really shitty electronic music and then the covers were you know like neon grids and triangles and palm trees and stuff and so even then there was people in the scene who were self-aware enough to go like wow people are really doing all this shit and then then the chrome text came in and then that was big (laughs) and then like so now like the the tropes that you see now people are just discovering that they're tropes and it's just like dude these have been tropes since the scene began it was like they've been there like fucking chrome text laser grid palm tree lamborghini i think that's still important i think it's still important to have that tropes i know it's easy to sort of uh shit in them from time to time and sometimes we do too just not we will fall into them as many times but I think it's it's a very important signature marker for the genre I think this should stay forever I really really do it's just at least we should musically move on but those tropes should always have a place I think when it comes to certain tropes the the only thing I feel weird about is if I were a band I would feel weird if my logo was the same as somebody else's logo you know what I mean like if I'm like how do I really want to represent my like individuality here well, I'm going to use the exact same font and chrome style that this guy did, and I'm going to have like a pink fucking spray paint thing above my name because it's two words or whatever, and and it's going to have a 82 in it, or you know what I mean? Like I would just feel. I know I'm probably making fun of a lot of people here inadvertently, <laughs> but that's what makes Honeybeard stand out because it's called Honeybeard. <laughs> the acoustic band, <laughs> right? You see, with, with that, and I. I completely get you so here's an example we we designed a new t-shirt that we pulled out and it's not synthwavy whatsoever but I've had a few friends look at it and go, what do you think they're like yeah it's nice it's not synthwavy right mm. so they're not going to buy that and I, I can understand that but we'll have people that aren't in the synthwave buy that mm. now we'll probably do another t-shirt we're going to do it with all the tropes we're just going to do it right <laughs> because I think at the end of the day it's actually what's selling. It's what people want. To be fair, the Beyond Synth logo is the Blade Runner font. So, oh, is it? Yeah, that's <laughs> I, right. <laughs> so, can we rip that off? Because we need to rip off somebody. I'm going to be changing the logo next season. So, I, I, I think there's, um, I think people want that. So, if you can give people what they want, then at least there's going to be some sort of flow of economy. Then you need those few outliers to find a way to. And it's already happening to push what's there and to take it to its next phase because it can't always stay the same. It become too stagnant. You know, people die off eventually, right? But it's got to it's got to remain the same, but go forward. I think people buy into that nostalgia because people like that aesthetic. They're they're always going to like it, and at some point, people are not going to like it. Something else is going to take form. It'll redesign again, and it'll be the new thing. I think that's just that's what's going to happen. I hope. Yeah, I'm not too keen on this giving people what they want business. That's not my style. <laughs> no, no, you should no definitely not give them everything they want, but you should be able to provide what they. If they're buying into this aesthetic, hmm. and if you're a part of that aesthetic, everyone's doing it, right? So they've got their, their, their synth-wavy type t-shirts and stuff. They'll buy into that, right? They'll like that on their t-shirts. But you could also buy the other Honeybeard t-shirt that's their own little imagination that doesn't fall into the same color aesthetic. You know what you should do? You know how, like, you'll scroll on YouTube and there'll be, like, a thumbnail of a chick with big boobs and you'll click on it? Yes. So that's what your shirt... <laughs> no hesitation from me. That's exactly what you're talking about. That's what your shirt should be. Like, it doesn't even have to... You know, sometimes, like, half the time you see a video and it's just like, oh, like, news anchor bloopers, and it's got this chick with these big boobs, and then you click on it, and then the first comment is like, this thumbnail isn't even in the video or whatever. <laughs> Suck, I got suckered again. Yeah, yeah. Fifth time today. That's my favorite thing, is the top comment is always someone bitching that the thing isn't in the video or the time code for where the thing is. 
So it'll just be like, yeah. all right, 245, this is what you came here for. And then you click on it and it goes right to the shot of the boobs. I'm like, all right, <laughs> thanks, YouTube. So what I'm saying is get a T-shirt that's just the picture of that news anchor whose blouse is falling open. You should do that. But even if, if I... <laughs> no, it's Sal. No, yeah. Well, it could do. Tom, do you want... Can we see your cleavage? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, just like click here and the, that's what the shirt can say is just like news anchor fails. That's what it has to be. 245 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I... When I look at into Twitter and I see the Uber fans like Ashley Keegan and Julian, right? Ashley Keegan and Julian. I don't <laughs> Neon know Fox. Yes. <laughs> Neon Fox. <laughs> and it, like they're they're the uh, power fans. You just see them buying the merch and it's all the same. They they crave that kind of stuff. And I think I think they're good paragons for how everyone kind of feels about the consumption of synthwave, right? Mm. Yeah, no, no, it's 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 nice that they're out there, but it, I, I've always had this difficulty of just trying to sort of reach beyond been doing the show for a long time, and I'm always trying to figure it out because there is like this, there is a core audience who are very passionate people. I know there's more, you know, like when the midnight comes to town, like they fill the venue, so that means in the Toronto area, there's you know fucking at least a thousand people who know what the midnight is. But the midnight are definitely cross. They cross-pollinate into different genres very, very easily. Like, I've almost studied them to kind of see, okay, what makes them tick? What's their song? How, how are they so appealing? And I find that you could be any random person and listen to a Midnight Song and think that's... and just love it straight away, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it jumps niche, it jumps genres very, very easily, that kind of music. It's his yeah. voice as well. I think his voice carries... You know, it, you could put it into any other genre and it would work just as well oh, well maybe that's that's part of it but because I, I some of the other acts i know i mean i've said this a billion times on the show but like you know perturbator and carpenter brute they've got the metal heads and the goths and shit but that still doesn't change the fact that that means that all the people who buy those albums must be aware of the word synthwave because it's usually like one of the tags right so if you're someone who goes and buys a midnight album or whatever you're going to know the word synthwave but for most people, I don't know if it really connects. Like, they don't see that or, or care, and they don't do the, the further digging. Because that's what I do, is I do the further digging. Like, if I hear something that's cool, I look and see, like, is there something, like, I'm not like, oh, like, what's future funk? Is that going to lead me down a road of, you know, like, hearing cool new things I haven't heard before? And I think a lot of people don't do that. Like, they just hear a thing they like, and it's like, all right, that's... That's streaming, that's Spotify. Hmm. You think of all the playlists that The Midnight make that aren't Synthwave, right? Or even Synthwave adjacent, hmm. but they're there, popular songs, easy listening songs, where they have hundreds of thousands of listeners. People will pick that up, and, and that's, I think, where where they're able to throw their tentacles in and reach other different people. It's just, it's the advent of the Spotify thing that lumps people into popular playlists and popular uh, curators. And they're really the sort of, the puppet masters and, and who, who gets to hear because they've made the decision that it goes in there. And I think that reaches a larger, larger audience. But if you have a, a band that's, that's talking about priests or something, right? <laughs> and playing some, some really dark fucking shit. We I do mean, write songs about other topics. Uh, yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> Which I hope that doesn't become a thing. But, um, <laughs> you know, songs about suicide that are dressed up to be happy. So that, those kind of, we've used a playlist push just to, for songs to get out there. And you sometimes you get feedback. So we're like, oh, it's too dark. Right? And it's not a dark song, but it is a dark song. So it's not going to reach those, those popular... Uh, but you put the midnight on, man, it's easy listening. It's so, it makes you feel happy. And I think that's the difference. I think it spotifies the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's listen to another song because uh, it's song time. All right, uh, this is uh, Memento Mori by Honeybeard.
And that was Honeybeard with the track Memento Mori. Now, that's sort of like minimal lyrically, right? Like it's it- So this song is at the end of the album, mm. Dream of Sleep. And that's a whole song arc in its or uh, narrative arc in itself, right? So really, it depicts the end of the world, right? Um, <laughs> uh, and, and it's just about, uh, it's about our, look, I mean, I, this is done to death, of course. But it was just my sort of, I wanted to, to sing about it. And it's, someone actually said this, but I thought of it before I heard it. Where you know the end of the world is going to be terrible, but I'm sure it's going to look beautiful. So when you when you see the the columns fall, people think that's actually 9/11. But I guess you could make the the comparison. But really, it's in terms of civilization. But really, it's the it's the columns of ice falling into the water. It's everything becoming apart, and it's how insignificant we are. But we made such a significant uh, detriment to this wonderful planet. Uh, and there's a big crescendo at the end with trumpets and horns that we put in. It's it's really just a, an end to the album, and it's a sort of a bittersweet one. Do you ever write happy things if it's just you? Reverie was kind of a happy song. Well, Reverie was about it's <laughs> Reverie's about my wife being the the only tether I have to happiness because otherwise I would be swallowed into the dark hole of depression and depth. Mm. And that's actually where I live a lot of the time when I'm writing music. Right? That's just that's just where my brain is typically all the time. Thankfully, I have straight edge Tom here to kind of pull me out too. Right? But yeah. that's where I live. It's kind of a dangerous place because you get sucked into it and then I end up in that with a beard and honey stuck in it. But yeah. I mean, for me, that that's what it's. It wears, wears me out. Like, I'm, I'm sick a lot of the times. But I think it's... If you live there enough, you can come up with some really good... At least it's heartfelt. At least when i on my deathbed, which might be next week, I'll say, look, at least I put my heart and soul into it. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where I live. I'm sorry. I, I have nothing happy. <laughs> <laughs> there, really, there really isn't very many happy songs. You, like, you made eye contact with me at the moment. You're just like, sorry, it's not very happy. And <laughs> just look me right in the eye. <laughs> oh, shit. No, I get it, man. Well, it's good. I mean, like to, to actually have uh, some sort of uh, real emotional push to the songwriting. Because I mean, I think, I mean, that does sort of come through, uh, you know, because a lot of the like, there's a lot of synth wave that can be cold and sort of sterile a bit, like a machine wrote it. And that's not to say I don't like. I actually do like that kind of stuff. Like, I, I like pretty much. I like everything in in the synth wave. Like I've said this before, even the generic stuff. I would still take that if I'm walking in the mall or whatever, like, you know, even even the most generic, boring synth wave, if that were coming out of the speakers in the mall and in the elevators and stuff, I would still be so much happier than the stuff that actually comes out of them. Right. Because I just, I, I love that sort of aesthetic. It's just that obviously I prefer music to actually like move me and, you know, make me feel something. And so I don't, I, the generic stuff, I don't feel anything. I just sort of listen to it and go like, all right, like, yeah, there is sort of a chord sequence, I guess. And, you know, like all the things are there. They're just not really doing anything, but they're there. So you're kind of a veteran of listening to that music. For us, we're like, oh wow, what's this? <laughs> so what what you find is kind of old repetitive. Well, also, uh, into now. right, but especially if if you join the scene, you know, a few years into it, you have the pick of the. You get to listen to the best stuff that has accumulated over that time. Whereas, like, I get sent. I'm still laughing, but the fucking person who sent me a song called Synth Weave oh, didn't yeah. even say the <laughs> artist name. Did, have you ever listened to that track yet? No, it's, it's just sitting there. Can we listen to it? Oh, I don't have it with me. Uh, <laughs> so I, I get sent stuff that sometimes just isn't even the right genre. Like, it'll just be like weird noise. Um, I get sent all sorts of stuff. And, and I, I do listen to it. One of my goals is to make sure that every episode I do play some new artists, at least a few. I mean, it's great that you go through that trouble for all those artists, for sure. Yeah, like me and Tom will tell you, Andy, I guess you're in this... Um in terms of say population, it's it's small compared to 
uh, other genres and scenes out there. But we've been struggling through the Toronto music scene since the start. Like it's not it's not great out there. Everyone Toronto tests itself as some sort of music city. It's fucking not. I don't know. Like, I mean, I've always been told that Toronto audiences are kind of tame, and and because like anytime people come here, even when they get like bigger crowds, they usually have a comment of like, "Oh, like the audiences are kind of almost like cheesy Canadian. Like, like they're so polite. <laughs> like they just sort of stand around listening to the music, and, and they're happy to see the the acts, but they might not be as like enthusiastic as as other crowds in other cities. I think the problem isn't in the audience. I think the problem. I do. It's everyone else is the problem. That's what I. We. I actually think, and Tommy might agree with me. Um, and I have a chip on my shoulder with this a little bit because man, we've been struggling for a lot, a long time. It's the other bands out there that I have found. I found them to be kind of to say a typical show. Say we get eventually we get in a show where there's other synth bands, right? And yeah. Organs or whatnot. And uh, we're playing, so, and this, this happens all the time. So I'll find out who's in the bill. I'll like all their, um, all their social media. I'll give them a listen. I'll contact them and say, oh, I like this song, right? Because I'm trying to create relationships, and I genuinely like the song. The gig comes. We're out front, me and Tom, for the whole show. We might be playing last or in the middle. We might buy some of their merch. You know what I mean? We're just, that, that's how I was brought up in music. And then we get on. They're out the door having a smoke or gone home or taking their gear out. They haven't even looked at our merch store. Uh, they haven't followed us back anything so this kind of behaviour this too cool for school behaviour is now I've seen it before in Dublin where, but not to this degree in Toronto and especially when you've gone out and you've tried to create these relationships it's cold and quite frankly I'm, it pisses me off big time because we put a lot of investment not not just for investment's sake but so like, we're trying to we're like the new kid in school we just want to make friends no one wants to know us right and that's that's happened a lot of times. And even playing Indie Week and uh, what's the other one? Playing Music Week. They just heard bands in. Even even those festivals, really, at the end of the day, are fucking useless, right? So we played them all, and it's great, and it's fine. But they just they bring you in. You're just a factory. Just to get people. I don't understand how it's good for brand new bands to play, but it really doesn't take successful bands that have put a bit of investment, who have played for nothing, got crowds in, talked up on their promoted the the festival itself. And then you're just discarded after a while and just bring in more people. And there's no growth there. There's no line or strategy in Toronto for bands in general, not just synth bands, to grow it and to make it meaningful. And that's both in terms of people who run these festivals, but I think a lot of it, because a lot of the people who run these festivals are also in bands. It's a bad atmosphere. It's a bad attitude. I've seen it everywhere. I've seen it perforate everywhere. But there was there's only a few bands that we've made friends with and become tight friends with us. But I think that's just because they were good people, I guess. So that's prevalent in Toronto. I, I'd like to know how um, current, like fellow bands like Parallels and Dana Jean Phoenix, have they've na- navigated. One of the first bands I've ever seen when I came over here was Parallels way back in 2013 or something. When we got into Synthwave, when that community became apparent to us, right? It just came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, it was a community that was ring fence but not to keep you out but to keep you in mm-hmm. right we're on Twitter all the time we're talking there's so many people that don't want to help you like for example Karen Zoli came out and says look I want to help you guys she's just a fan right and, and now she does a show on Night Ride FM there's so many people out there that want to help you that are interested in what you're doing maybe that's in terms of size maybe because it's more organized but it's by far like we feel at home finally Right, mm-hmm. we, we genuinely feel at home, and I think uh, there's such a big difference between what we went through right up until it's like The Walking Dead. Right, we've been fighting zombies and and being chased and having people killed, but finally we found the settlement that we can feel safe. Toronto's like zombies. What do you think, Tom's? Well, I think we probably won't be playing Canadian Music Week or Indie Week yeah. again. <laughs> I, I love my, the, the contrast of your personalities is awesome. I don't give a fuck. 
I want to uh, listen to another track, though. Uh, I do, uh, yeah, no, I, what you're saying is, uh, you know, I, I agree. I think the, well, well, we'll listen to a song first, and then we'll, we'll fucking elaborate. This was a track I liked. It was called This Is Forever. Uh, we're just bouncing all over the place. Are you smiling because it's about something terrible? Oh, uh, no, I'm, I'm just thinking about what I said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, look, this track is called This Is Forever by Honeybeard.
And that was Honeybeard with the track This Is Forever. And I'm here with Honeybeard right now, Gary and Tom. Gary has just uh, gone on a rant. <laughs> I promised Tom I wouldn't rant. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. What do you think, Tom? I like whenever sort of Gary goes off and you're just sort of uh, smiling. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess just hold on for the ride. Um, <laughs> see where he's going next but you agree i guess i mean I, I know i articulate a little bit more vehemently but i mean tom has seen a lot of this shit more than i have at times i don't notice it because i'm a bit naive but it's there yeah for sure i guess like you were mentioning the audiences before gary ranted um, <laughs> <laughs> i think there is a little bit of a difference like like we play in Montreal pretty often, mm. and even though they might not be like a very loud kind of crowd, it's a more engaged crowd where people are actually you can tell they're listening and like understanding what you're trying to do at least, even if we don't uh, successfully pull off what we're trying to do, they yeah. kind of understand and they're trying to understand what you're trying uh, what you're doing up there. We're here a lot of times in Toronto. It seems a lot of times we're kind of more background to like people talking in bars. Right. Yeah. And then we're just kind of the annoying people on the speakers yeah. <laughs> interrupting the conversation, I guess. Or double booked with the uh, drag queens. The drag queens, yeah. Was, yeah. They were quite friendly about they that. Were, they, they were very nice about it, but I mean, that whole situation wasn't conducive to a nice calming atmosphere before going on stage. Mm-hmm. That's something that we, we tend to have a lot of technical issues here in Toronto and some venues for some bizarre reason. I don't know why. It's not our problem. It's like, it's like because there's no acoustic drums or an actual amplifier, they just can't seem to give us good stage sound and all sorts of hijinks pursue. Well, the last one was fun. Didn't the sound guy just leave? The sound guy, I think, was on some sort of drug. And he just... Dis- <laughs> dis- and I, I can't... I don't want to say too much. I'm already in trouble probably as it is. And he... Um, <laughs> Yeah, he just... He Never just, play again in this city. He yeah. just went walkies, man. He, he just disappeared. I had to go out looking for him. And then as this was happening, you know, the bar manager was was asking me if we could have the drag queens up. So I was like, well, who said am I going to cut into? I can't do that. Mm. Uh, so I was negotiating that. And, and then at the same time, the sound was shit, you know. So, well, at least on the... If I can't hear myself, then it's... it's uh, bit of a disaster but i think we pulled it off i think it went well yeah no it sounded good to me it went well in regards that's just from rehearsing you know yeah 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 Yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing because i don't know just like that idea of sort of like reaching out to a crowd that i know would like the music and i'm always trying to figure out like who the hell are these people because i know from my experience whenever i introduce people to synthwave scene it's like People like this kind of music. It's just cool. I know synthwave is broad, but I mean, you know, people like this kind of stuff. I mean, there's there's huge crowds for people who listen to, you know, like chip tunes and video game music and things like this and and I know that if it just got into their ears, they would they would listen. Hmm. But I've never known I, I don't have any skill at all in trying to cultivate people in real life. I mean, even the audience I've built with this show is still relatively small and that's like, you know, seven years of doing a thing and so I don't have any like I haven't learned a lesson, I haven't figured anything out. Like I think it's literally just because I still do the show. That's what it is. Other people kind of do shows, they come, they do a show for like a year, they disappear. There's a few that have stuck around now for a little while but the only difference between them and me now is just that uh, like I still do it right and I don't know if that translates musically to bands if they just fucking keep at it I feel like some people just don't have the heart you know what I mean like they come in and think they're gonna make one song and be a hit and leave and if they don't have the passion for making music then they I mean if you go into a musical project assuming like oh this is gonna make me tons of money and this will be great it's a bad frame of mind to go into it. You have to do it because you enjoy yeah. 
creating something. And then that's kind of what kept, like, we finished one and, you know, we already have probably like 20 or 30 tracks ready for, not ready, but started and ideas percolating and recordings done for a next album mm. because we want to make something again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not like uh, we definitely did not become rich off our last EP <laughs> or any of our music, but mm. we keep wanting to progress the sound and make new stuff, I think. I think it's tougher for blogs. You're at the mercy of what's out there, first of all. You have to get a constant feed of, of good quality content. People who are willing to talk, people who are, who are good talkers. I mean, it's a tough it's a tough job for, say, what, what you do, Andy. And then, it's a lot of work. I mean, I used to run... One of the reasons why I'm so mad at Toronto is because I used to run a community uh, magazine for back home, where I took a lot of warring faction bands for no reason and brought them together and put them on the stage and just made it a community. Now it's doing well. I like to think I was a little bit involved in that. The running of that was, maybe in terms of scope, it was larger, but it was. It took a lot of dedication. It took a lot of time. Life gets in the way very, very quickly. You have a lot of people that want to help in terms of a team, and they drift off again too, right? Because it's, it it's a nice idea, but you have to be deeply committed like a Jedi. You have to be deeply committed to it. Mm. It has to be something you genuinely love, more than a hobby. People say it's a hobby. It's, it can never be a hobby. It can't be. Not somewhere in your mind. It can't be just a hobby. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it takes and like everything you know only so many bands really like put the effort in uh, like we see in Toronto the folks that are rising to the top here you know they've done it because they've kept at it Dana Jean Phoenix Parallels Michael Oakley uh, Mecca Maiko they've just been you know point shoot never let that down that's hard to, to maintain for a lot of people especially musicians yeah 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 well especially too I mean like you know as the, as the case with everybody I mean everyone has like it is still like a side gig. I mean, I can probably count on my hand the amount of people who are just totally making money off their music. It's not like it's not huge. I mean, like there's still people I know do well, but they still do other stuff. Now, the other stuff they do might be music related. You know, like I know some singers who also, you know, write still for other people and stuff like that or sing like you know do wedding singing and stuff like this and yeah. uh or they sound mix or they do, you know. So I mean, that's cool when they can keep it you know, where like the job is also still connected to music, but yeah. So how I motivate myself, um, I don't even think, I think it's a madness at this point, Tom, <laughs> is that I feel that when I die, if I don't have, <laughs> <laughs> if I don't, if, if, you if, don't I, if you can't tell Gary, it's quite dramatic. I'm right? not dramatic. No, I, this, well, maybe I am. All right. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. Right. Maybe it's the, the performer inside me, <laughs> but um, not with the innuendo, but mm. I guess with me, it's, I, I, I think of the end. I don't want to be at my deathbed all, fucked thinking I, re- I wish I did that I wish I did it because there's something again in my brain I can't explain it if I don't tick off like I want to play all the big gigs I want to travel the world with this music I want to make an impact I want to feel satisfied by it wherever that may be maybe I'll never be satisfied but if I don't I'm going to regret it I'm going to die and I'm going to be a fucking unhappy ghost somewhere you know I don't want that to happen well but then you get to turn people's lights on and off <laughs> Tom <laughs> it'll be my lights uh, yeah yeah <laughs> Turn the faucet up. (laughs) (laughs) That's all ghosts can really do. Yeah, and throw things off tables occasionally. Yeah, that's true. I I used to live in a place with an actual ghost in Ireland. It was a poltergeist motherfucker. One time, actually, I looked. We could actually see it was like this baldy, skinny guy that showed up in a reflection or in a in a silhouette. And when we went to look up at him, 
the door that we were looking through just closed shut by itself. You heard people running upstairs and there's no one up there. Windows would close by themselves. The TV would turn on and off and on and off. And my bedroom was next to another room and people, someone was knocking on the other side. There was no one in the place. We heard people running up the stairs, no one in the place. It was freaky. Things would go missing. One time we had a whole hive of wasps just appear inside the kitchen. Weird shit. Well, so that's scientifically explainable. You were high. <laughs> well, this was over for six months, but then I had to leave. It was that bad. Yeah. Yeah. You were high, though, right? A lot of the time. Yes, but only, <laughs> it was only weed. I mean, I wasn't seeing anything. Yeah, yeah. They probably have shitty weed in Ireland, too. Yeah. There was four or five other witnesses <laughs> at the same time, so I'm not there. Who were also high. Well, one was mostly drunk, but like, no, no, no. Well, look, let's listen, uh, let's listen to another track. Do you want to pick one? What's one that you're proud of that we haven't played? You sprung this on us, man. Yeah, you like that? Yeah. And I'm not going to edit out this. This is going to be this big, long, long space. Awkward pause. How about uh, Full of Stars? Yeah, has to. it's the last song on our brand new EP, Whispers of Light. Yeah, Full of Stars. All right, man. Well, let's listen to it. This is uh, Full of Stars by Honeybeard.
And that was Honeybeard with the track full of stars. And I am here right now with Honeybeard in the living room. Gary's living room. The TV says no signal because the Xbox has shut itself off. There's a picture of Yoda on the wall. There's an at-to-at walker on the... Gary's just pointing at things in his living room. Jim Morrison, did you see the picture of Tom I have down there? No. (laughs) On the bookshelf there. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. Yeah, it's a little concerning. (laughs) It's a framed picture of me (laughs) in his living room. Yeah, we're just looking around here. There's a skull on the shelf. There's some Star Wars memorabilia. That skull has been with my family or friends since 1998. It's traveled all around the world. So currently it's residing in Canada, but I have to leave it back to Ireland next year. Why? It's just a thing me and my crazy friends, they are crazy, do. I have a friend who's seven foot tall, and he discovered this one time because he couldn't sleep in the bed properly or something, and they found some abandoned house in America where they decided to sleep in for six months as students, and they found a skull under the bed, and it's been with us ever since. So why do you have to take it to Ireland? It just decided, it travels. So they came over to see me, so they go, right, Gary... Now that you're in a different country, it has to reside here. I guess he's probably got a map at home where it pinpoints all the countries. Uh, its name's Murray. What would you do if when you got rid of that skull, all of a sudden all your sound problems at venues went away? Uh, they long existed before, <laughs> before Murray. Murray's only here a year. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, there he is. As I like I like to tie it together that it has something to do with the skull. Well, I put a picture of Murray. Maybe I'll put it up on, on social media just so people know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a training skull. It's not a real skull. Training plastic skull. Missing a couple of teeth. What is a training skull? <laughs> what, do, what do you need to train? Uh, I mean, you know, um, in your biology class, you see uh, a skeleton. Yeah. I, I don't know what he trains. So before you get your real skull. Yeah. <laughs> you watch through. It'll be your skull. Make sure you practice with Murray. Unlike yeah. Predator walking around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Zapping people and ripping their spines out. Yeah, man, that's your trophy. That's cool. Well, look, is there something we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Do you want to complain about something else? I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, like what, what you said is fine. Like it's, I think sometimes um, there is a an aspect to the scene because obviously people are very passionate about it and they want it to be uh, bigger. So sometimes they big up the stuff that goes on. Uh, maybe I do that too to a degree when I talk about stuff on the show because when people talk to me they're like oh like Toronto's like a really happening place because I always say like oh I went to this uh, synthwave event and I went to that and you know the reality is you know Tilt where they have their synthwave night no one is there for the night it's it's like eight people are there for the actual synthwave and then that place is just popular anyways because it's a fucking arcade bar where you pay five dollars and get to play whatever game you want like that's why that place is popular it's cool that they have a synthwave night but on the surface it sounds like oh look at this you know like toronto has these like synthwave events and like really like there's you know 20 people i know that care (laughs) you know that like will always be there and will always support the artists and stuff and it just when I see the like I said before with, with with the other shows it just it bugs me because it wouldn't take much to just fill a decent space because I feel like if hundreds of people come out you know when the midnight play or FM eighty four you know um, or for Outland I mean they filled the fucking place that was like a all star lineup going from like three p.m. till like two a.m. yeah as well so it was very good bang for your buck that that concert it was but I would question how many. Torontonians were actually present. Well, that's true because a lot of people did travel for Traveled it. Traveled for it, yeah. yeah. 
Now that's an amazing feat. Outlander are great. I think they're probably the, the sort of the best branded and the, I think overall they're, they're the best guys out there for throwing festivals and everything. That, they're so for me anyway. They're synonymous with synthwave. They're still. I mean, I don't think we should shit on Toronto completely because I think there's a lot of places you could live that don't have any cool nights happening in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, uh, depending on where you're from, a lot of smaller cities probably wouldn't have any sweet nights or... I like your positive outlook. Yeah, and, you know, there's there's also a lot of great artists who are based here, which... Yeah, my I, I guess my point is, it's not that, like, I'm happy to be here because, obviously, it is a stop where, you know, a lot of artists will come in to play. Course, so, yes. so being here is, like, I like being here. Um, I think my point is just that people have a more realistic understanding of what's going on. The it's scene like, isn't as massive as it may seem from looking in. Yeah. Well, and you said it's a global it's a global audience. Yeah, it's like if we could get like where when they set up Israel, you know what I mean? If we just set up like a synth state and just say like <laughs> and everyone who's big in the synth wave scene, you get to live in this little I think that's how Israel works, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, you get to you get to come here and uh, don't write me about it. Uh, when, <laughs> I don't understand geopolitics at all. So we set up a little state, you know, like we, you know, and and then everyone who's big into synthwave can come and move there, and there's like apartment buildings and all this stuff. Then we'd probably have like this little community of like you know maybe like three thousand people or whatever, you know, that were like. Uh, maybe that's being generous, but like, you know, it'd be like this community of people that would always be around and into the same stuff and it'd be like a cool place to live. But the problem is it's all like 20 people in this city, 30 people in this city, you know, 40 people in this city. And that's why. And so, yeah, I guess when, when they did Outland in Toronto, yeah, like people came from like the New York area and stuff because that was the, the Outland in North America for that that weekend uh, yeah because <laughs> we'll see what happens you know because if they do another event i imagine they'll probably be in the state someplace and so depending on what coast it is yeah. we'll see what the the turnout's like I hopefully think, they come back to toronto that was a, yeah, that was a great be, night that was a great night there's a lot to be said that the, the potentially synthwave in its current form and, and past form really only got considered a community because of the internet right it's really you could argue it's internet born yeah say look, let's look at Seattle in the, in the mid to late 80s when the whole grunge scene happened I always like to think that maybe synthwave could be that I mean it was, it was a small community of guys who were sick of hair metal that they were writing new music um, Mud Honey and Nirvana being the, the more famous of them and they were in a small sort of I guess like a microcosm of that city and then they, they grew and then as soon as Nirvana I guess put out Nevermind then it became a global sensation so that's something that, that grew organically. We think of the internet as not an organic place to grow something, right? But I think really, uh, in sort of uh, the larger spectrum of people across the world, it's become an organic growth of a genre. Yeah. I mean, that's probably what explains why, you know, there's not a big amount of uh, synthwave fans that coalesce together in one city that are indigenous to that city. Mm. Because it is a worldwide phenomenon I think I think that's an interesting way of looking at it I'm just so uh, thankful for Synthwave and it took going into Synthwave to realise how bad we had it beforehand in terms of trying to develop relationships finding like-minded people who genuinely just wanted to help you were interested in music and spent that time that came to your living room and, and, and talked to you and have tea and biscuits that's yeah. <laughs> you know, right. So that that doesn't exist outside of where we, what we were operating in, and I'm sure a lot of people before they found synthwave, who were active live artists like ourselves, probably found because I know we retweeted a, a post or, or, or an article by someone here in Toronto that complained that in terms of art, like painted art and that kind of thing, Toronto was very cold, and I was like, fuck yeah, that, that's actually true, and I retweeted it. Out. 
But when I looked at the comments, there was like, oh, you know, I'm from Portland here. It's the exact same. Or I'm from... And it was just people from other world saying the exact same thing about their communities. Mm. So I was like, all right, maybe it's not a Toronto thing, right? But I've, I've witnessed it everywhere else. It wasn't so bad. I guess we just had that particular experience. But compared to Synthwave and the community it's become, like we should pat ourselves on the back. I just, I hope it doesn't diverge into what most genres become. If we, I suppose if it gets too big, which is a good thing and a bad thing. But right now where it is, although it's dispersed across the world, it's pretty sweet, very respectable. Everyone loves their music. It's a great time. We're, we're loving it. We're, this new EP that we put out, like exact, like Retro Weaver Records, we found them through the Synthwave community and they've helped us a lot in putting this EP out. Uh, been very good, Cole and Alex. And it's been the most positive experience in terms of releasing a, a record for us so far. Yeah. And I think that's down to the community. See? See, that's hopeful. And there is hope in most of our songs written in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's a little bit of hope through all the doom. Yeah, there has to be. I mean, there's always hope. That's the point of the sadness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So, look. <laughs> well, we can... Uh... We can probably fucking uh, wind it down. I think this was... Do you have a good talk? Are you happy about it? <laughs> I enjoyed that. I just... I hope I didn't rant too much. Did I sound crazy, Tom? Usually you're you my always sound mostly crazy, so... You sounded normal. Ah, okay. Yeah, I sounded normal. And I should point out that uh, before uh, we started recording here, Gary got us some pizza. So we ate some some pizza and sat around. It was nice. And he had some tea with a tea bag in it. Some a plate of cookies. Yeah. So it was a... Uh, it was a good time. I enjoyed myself. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. I'd like to award you with um, a Bosk statue <laughs> from Star Wars. <laughs> there you go, Bosk. I would like you to take that home and, and put it up there. And I love you. Just, yeah, you have so much fucking uh, Star Wars shit, eh? I did before Star Wars and The Last Jedi came out. Now it's broken my heart. Yeah. And maybe the bitter... So it's going to be nuts, become... not so hard to... Uh, you got to put put aside childish things and become a man? No, I'll never become a man in that <laughs> regard. I'll just look for something else childish. There's enough great things from my childhood in the 80s that, that I can revel in. But uh, yeah, I think Star Wars has had its day. So, by the way, anyone in Toronto that wants any... Um, Star Wars paraphernalia. I've got X-wing fighters. I've got seven-inch dolls. I've got everything. I'm willing to give it away. Well, give it all to me, and that is a service announcement. Uh, and look, well, listen. It was it was fun talking to you guys. You want to say like, uh, what's what's your web page? Where, where do you want people to go? Okay, so you can always visit our website at www.honeybeardband.com. We're on all the social media sites. Just type in Honeybeard Band. That's our handle. Go to our Bandcamp page, which is honeybeardband.com bandcamp.com you can get all this if you go to our website uh, we've got a brand new EP called Whispers of Light Out it's going to be streaming it's actually out now on streaming uh, so you go to Spotify you'll give us a listen and uh, we're pretty active on Twitter so if you want to have a chat with us that's the place to find us um, alright guys well listen have a have a lovely evening this is the, usually this is where I hang up on people but like we're going to say goodbye and then uh, I'm just going to hit stop and then we're just all going to be in the same room with each other still. Slaughter Nish Andy. Yeah. What? Slaughter Nish McCarthy. Ach. <laughs> well, that's Scottish, isn't it? It's Scottish, ach. <laughs> and they say like... Goodbye, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. We did it. Yeah. You good? Yeah. yeah. Fuck, was I ranting? You got on a few rants, but... Fucking run, stupid Toronto. Yeah. You're good. It was good. All right, and that was my chat with Honeybeard. That was fun. There's a lot of funny moments in there. I like. <laughs> anyway, it made me, it made me laugh when I was editing it. Just the who's going to want to dance to that? <laughs> 
Uh, look, I hope you guys have a lovely weekend. Don't forget, here's your mission this week, okay? First of all, if you want to support Beyond Synth and you enjoy the show, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth, or you can just go to beyondsynth.com and click on the subscribe button. There's a PayPal button there, and... and Here's your mission this week. Like I said, I'm going to be giving you missions every week now. I know not all of you can uh, support the show through Patreon and PayPal and that sort of thing, but there are other ways to support the show. So this week, if you are on Facebook, do me a favor. Uh, Make sure you like the Facebook page. Uh, Make sure you're following the Beyond Synth Facebook page. And, you know, if you have a little time to spare, why don't you just go to the Facebook page and just like a bunch of the posts? Or leave some comments on the episode. That's your mission this week. The mission this week is Facebook. So uh, when this episode drops, if you're on there and you click on it, just uh, leave a comment. Say, hey, I was here. Tell me your favorite song from the show. Um, let me know what you think, okay? So that's that's your mission. And that is all I have to say today. So you guys have a lovely week. And there might be a live show tonight. Um, we'll see. And if there isn't... Uh, whatever. But the bottom line is, I will talk to you guys again, and we will play more music uh, next time on Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Thanks for If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth, or you can donate directly on beyondsynth.com. Beyond Synth can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. And remember to like and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. Until next time...